Today we are focused on the traditional gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And each year we hear of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, each different version, St Matthew, St Mark, and this year, St Luke's version. And it begins by telling us, in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And after describing the temptations and Jesus' response, Luke tells us, verse 14, Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. Both filled with the power of the Spirit, verse 1, verse 14, and firstly, we'll reflect on Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, temptation itself, the lure, and what that means for us, and withstanding temptation, where that leads. Secondly, So firstly, Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. As we've heard, Jesus faces three temptations. And what we see Jesus do is recognise his, tra- his temptations as distractions. Distractions from worshipping and trusting the one true God. We can tend to think of temptation in terms of rules we'd like to break or impulses we must learn to tame. But to see temptation in this way is to really succumb to a second-order temptation, seeing temptation itself in terms of negatives. The truth is very different. Every moment, God calls us to know, to love, to worship God. So that's actually why I was careful today to refer to today's service as public worship. Because, of course, all of your life is an act of worship to God. Every moment, God calls us to know to love, to worship God. God calls us so that we might find and celebrate our genuine humanity. That's why even like the first Sunday of Lent, which usually has a fairly sort of, I don't know, um, more dark feel about it, doesn't it? But actually it's not inappropriate to think of today as a day of celebration Because that is what God is calling us to and that is what Lent is reminding us really about. God calling us so that we might find and celebrate our genuine humanity, who we truly are as people made in the image of God, women and men, so that we might reflect God's image in the world. And what a privilege that is. But temptations lure us to turn away from that privilege 
And as Roy reminded us in his children's talk, they're so extremely attractive. That invitation, that lure to lower our gaze, shorten our sights, to settle for second best or worse. The dictionary definition of the Greek word for sin is missing the mark. Sin, like a misfired arrow, drops short of the call to true humanness, to bearing and reflecting God's image. So in our gospel reading today, we see Jesus maintaining a single-minded devotion. Firstly, his allegiance to his father overrode immediate bodily desires. In this case, hunger, 40 days in the wilderness, eating nothing. So what is the temptation? To turn the stones into bread. It ruled out, secondly, an easy but costly shortcut to his vocation to be the Lord of the world, as we're reminded in our songs. By accepting the devil's offer immediately of authority over all the kingdoms of the world, rather than following the way of the cross. Thirdly, it forbade him, by seeking a proof of his status, to challenge the word of God spoken at his baptism, this is my beloved son. It forbade him to challenge that word by throwing himself down the temple from the temple to see if the angels would carry him if you are the son of God. At the end of chapter 3, Luke has just reminded us of Jesus' membership in the family of Adam. See, Jesus' baptism in Luke chapter 3, this is my beloved son, the voice from heaven, is followed by a genealogy. We tend to jump over them, but it's actually quite important. Because if there'd been any doubt about Jesus being really human, Luke is underlining he shares our flesh and blood in this vivid scene of temptation by reminding us of all his flesh and blood forebears. If Jesus is the descendant of Adam, he must now face not only what Adam faced, but the powers that have been unleashed through human rebellion and sin. In particular, Jesus faced the double question. What does it mean to be a God's son, to be God's son in this special, unique way? Capital S, son. And what kind of Messiah, the king promised by God, was he going to be? The three temptations can be read as possible answers to this question. The story does not emphasize Jesus engaged in conversation with a visible figure to whom he could talk as one to another. The devil's voice really appears as a string of natural ideas in his own head. They're plausible, attractive, and make, as as we would say, a lot of sense. Think of that lure on the fish hook. Makes a lot of sense to the fish. Eat me. God cannot want 
his beloved son to be famished by hunger. If God wants Jesus to become sovereign over the world, that is, after all, what the angel Gabriel had told Mary, then why not go for it in one easy stride? If Jesus is Israel's Messiah, why not prove it by spectacular displays of power? But for Jesus, as he shows each time, responding by quoting from God's written word, worshipping the one he knew as father, was larger and richer than all the possibilities that Satan put before him. Jesus refused to be distracted. It's no different for us. The real answer to temptation is not, God will be so cross if I do that. The real answer to temptation is, if I do that, I will miss out on the best the Father has for me, my Father has for me. I don't want to be distracted. No. It's immersing ourselves In the word of God, staying close to Jesus, God made flesh, the word revealed in Jesus, immersing ourselves as Jesus did in the written word of God. And that's how we stay close to Jesus today. Let's not be distracted from worshipping, trusting the one true God. And my prayer for you this Lent, my prayer for myself this Lent, is that I will not be distracted. So I will not be in danger of missing the mark, turning away from the privilege of being who God calls me to be, who God is calling you to be. Withstanding temptation is not an end in itself. We see that in the verses that which follow where it led Jesus. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned it to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in other synagogues and was praised by everyone. That's where it led Jesus. Where does it lead us? Empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus And what I want to do now is just talk a little bit about that in terms of what that means for us as a diocese. When I was here previously, it's a couple of years ago now, but I I spoke of how the names of the different episcopates, Mamangatha, that's, you're in this episcopate, Mamangatha, divine supreme being, Jambana, proclamation, Uthanong, gathering, and now Monomith, well-being, abundance, all these indigenous words in consultation with the peoples of the Kulin nations, together convey the sense of our diocesan vision, making the word of God fully known. There's actually some of these brochures out um, on the table outside. Synod has really been the opportunity for the Archbishop to be communicating the four strategic directions uh, for working towards making this vision a reality in the Diocese of Melbourne. 
We want to be a compelling and outward-looking Christian presence in our communities, present for the sake of others. The communities we know and are familiar with, the communities continuously changing around us as we speak. Change is very much a reality for the Mamangatha Episcopate, the parishes largely in the central part of Melbourne experiencing urban renewal. Changing communities, changing around us, houses replaced with units and apartments, changing demographics, whether socioeconomic, ethnic or age. And I know that with the incumbency committee, that was a lot of the stuff we were talking about. And I know that Roy has been working hard with you in thinking about what it means to be a compelling and outward-looking Christian presence. And I know that that's one of the things that strongly attracted you to recommend Roy for this appointment. And also, of course, there's the communities that are yet to be. The growth corridors to the north and west of the diocese in the Uthenong Episcopate, Bishop Kate. A diocese, uh, sorry, a population the size of Adelaide going into the north and west of Melbourne and Geelong. Or to the south and east in the Jambana Episcopate, Bishop Paul. It's as a compelling and outward-looking Christian presence in our communities that we'll be able to reach across boundaries of human division to serve our communities and proclaim Christ. I've already mentioned some of those boundaries, haven't I? Economic boundaries, ethnic boundaries, language boundaries, age boundaries. We often sit in churches saying, oh, where are the young people? Human language, cultural difference, these are opportunities, opportunities which can convey so much about how our differences are our strength in demonstrating our faith. It can be very hard to think beyond ourselves, to be prepared to move out of our comfort zone, but making the word of God known is an all-inclusive vision. It's to be able to present everyone, everyone, mature in Christ. At our last two synods, the Archbishop has been highlighting two key challenges we face in this. The challenge of committing to ensure future ministry in an ever-growing city, and I've been touching on that already, whether we're talking right here in Baldwin or the growth corridors. In the past, churches were an accepted part of the community. Land would be set aside. Not so now. It will cost to be able to be present, people, buildings, land, in the communities being planned and established today. And I think one of the real things to be thinking about, and I'm very conscious of this as Bishop of the Mamangatha Episcopate, is that our forebears had incredible foresight, had incredible energy for making sure that as Melbourne grew, the church was present. May we continue that, even if it costs. But more than that, and I think this is where our challenge, in a sense, is greater, we don't come to this challenge from a position of strength. And of course, this week, more than any other week, we have had a phenomenal reminder of that. We have to acknowledge that trust in the church as an institution is at an all-time low. 
partly because of the other challenge the Archbishop highlighted, owning the consequences for where the church has failed those in our care and doing all we can now to prevent such abuse happening again. Both challenges will cost. Yet I also want to say we do not need to be anxious. What I've just spoken about, of course, reminds us terribly of where the church, in a sense, or people in the church, have given into the lure. But I want to say we do not need to be anxious. We simply need to be open to the Holy Spirit transforming lives to be mature in Christ, our third strategic direction. Because as we, today's gospel reminds us twice, it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we face and withstand temptation, that we refuse to be distracted. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we make the word of God fully known. So others, so many people can come to worship God revealed in Jesus. The church's task is primarily God's work and God gifts us through his spirit for this work. And it is the Holy Spirit transforming lives to be mature in Christ which will enable us to use all the energy that God powerfully inspires to better manage our human, our people, and our capital, our finance, our property resources. See, we're blessed in this diocese with the many and varied gifts of our people. Ordained, Roy, myself, Lay, you and everyone. We're really blessed. We are also blessed, it might not feel it at times, but we are also blessed phenomenally in terms of financial and property resources. It's about freeing us up as the people of God. It's about using these resources God has gifted us with wisely to be able to reach across boundaries, to be a compelling presence in our communities, not distracted, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, making the word of God fully known today. Living lives, worshipping our God. Our God revealed in Jesus who died and rose again and is with us today through his spirit.